abortion becomes really limited or illegal in a state, the reality of women still having unplanned pregnancies and all of the challenges that come with that, the church needs to be able to respond to those families. Welcome to the Free From Wall Street podcast, where we share how we have done over $200 million in real estate deals to create, preserve, and pass on generational wealth without the roller coaster ride of the stock market. If you're ready to start investing with purpose, visit freefromwallstreet.com. But for now, let's dive into this episode. Welcome back to the Free From Wall Street podcast. I'm your host, Steve Libin. Today, we have a guest, which is rare because you, you know we keep only special people for you guys to come onto the show. So today I got Josh Kappas from Love Life Ministries. As you guys know, we uh, have a donor advised fund through the business called the Invest with Purpose Fund. And we give money to nonprofits around the world that are changing the world. And Josh is part of Love Life. You've heard Justin come on, who's talked a little bit about Love Life Ministries and what they do. You'll get a little uncomfortable, right? When you hear Justin talk about the only places that we know that people are scheduled to die, and that's abortion clinics. So if this isn't your cup of tea, you can skip to the next episode. But if you have a heart for kids and moms that are going through difficult times and you have a heart for the Lord and you want to just hear what amazing things other ministries are out there doing in terms of giving options to moms, then you got to listen to what Love Life is doing. So welcome, Josh. Thank you so much for jumping on with us, man. Yeah, grateful to be here, man. Especially uh, now that you said only special people get to come on here. I'm, I'm uh, grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, no, we usually just keep it to me chatting with the audience about some investment stuff, which is cool too, and financial freedom and stuff. But what happens when we achieve that financial freedom? Most of our investors want to move from success to significance. Mm-hmm. And that's where the donor advised fund comes into play because we support nonprofits and ministries that are doing some really, really cool stuff and love what you guys are doing. So why don't you give us a little bit of background as to who you are, who Love Life is, and then we'll dive into some some of the nitty gritty. Yeah. So I have the privilege of serving as a vice president of Love Life. I've been involved in some type of vocational ministry now since 2000. And uh, mainly my space has been in uh, serving as either a student pastor or a senior pastor. I planted a church back in 2012. I'm still a part of that church family as an elder. And I've uh, been married to my wife, Jenna, now for be 21 years in July. We've got two kids, Caitlin and Samuel. Caitlin is 19 and Sam is 12. Caitlin just got engaged a few weeks ago. So Congrats. my whole world's a little jacked up with that where I'm super happy. <laughs> Love the guy that she's getting married to, but uh, she's my baby girl too. So no, probably within about a year or so, she's going to be moving out. But uh, yeah, so uh, I was a partnering pastor with Love Life first and uh, got exposed to what we call the tragic truth of uh, abortion in Charlotte. And uh, the Lord broke my heart. And uh, so immediately our church partnered with Love Life and participated in prayer walks and just about uh, every opportunity we could and just had a tremendous impact. Still to this day has a tremendous impact on our church family and people in our church. And then beyond that, when uh, Love Life um, expanded into Greensboro and Raleigh, they extended an invitation to me to come on and help them break into those new cities. And uh, so I came on full-time in 2018. Love Life launched in 2016. And uh, 2019, we launched into Manhattan. 
and uh, became vice president in 2020. And uh, so since all of that took place, all along the way, we've been praying about, man, how do we take this across the nation without killing our staff and without losing the integrity of what love life is and what it isn't? And uh, we labored over what does this look like? How does this work? And God in his perfect plan just shoved us straight out of the nest in uh, 2020 when COVID hit through a variety of circumstances. Uh, we just got thrust kind of into the national spotlight and uh, started then identifying people who had a burden and uh, some leadership capacity to start Love Life in their city and created a whole process for how we recruit and vet and train. And uh, so we went from four cities to 14 cities in a relatively short period of time. And we have learned so much over the span of, of the last two years that we would never have learned had we not just taken that step to start doing it. And uh, so now we're at a really exciting point, and that's what we're going to talk about today with, after all we've learned, we've really dialed in kind of an avatar of who it is we're looking for to help us launch new cities across the United States. Yeah, it's reps under the bar, right? The more things that we do, it's like uh, you start to learn and get better at it. One of my favorite stories is the... uh, the pottery teacher who says, all right, so let's split the the class in half. This half of the class is going to be graded on quality. You have to make a perfect pot. This is going to be graded on quantity. So however many pots you make, the more you make, the better you'll do. And the interesting thing is at the end of the year, the class who made, who was being graded on quantity actually had the most perfect pot. Now, why is that? It's a little counterintuitive, but it's because the more reps under the bar you get, the more reps of pottery making that you're going to make, the more perfect you become. So all those iterations have led you guys to this new kind of plan of like, oh, this is what actually works. But before we get into it, let's talk a little bit about the the nuts and bolts. So Love Life Mm -hmm. is, I mean, so talk to us about what is the ministry? Who is it helping? Who's it serving? How do you guys go about doing it? And what do you mean by we're launching in different cities? Well, what are you doing in those cities? Yeah. So kind of my elevator pitch is we are an organization that mobilizes evangelical churches to come around abortion vulnerable families. And the way that we do that is by inviting pastors to adopt one week out of our 40 week journey of hope. And so what that means is, is every year from February to November, we're hosting a peaceful prayer walk every Saturday. Uh, and uh, we're doing it at local abortion clinics in 14 cities. And uh, so we ask that pastor, Pastor, will you take one of those weeks? And then we train his, uh, we uh, walk his church then through a four-step process during his week. And it's totally based off of Nehemiah's story in the Bible. And it's prepackaged. It's turnkey. It's one of the things that attracted me to the ministry myself was I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, they made it super easy for my church to get involved. It was a low bar of entry with high impact. And so that's our ask. Adopt one of those 40 weeks, bring your church out, do the prayer walk. And at the end of the prayer walk, basically what we're doing is, is, hey, we've just exposed you to this reality of what's happening in your city. The issue of abortion is no longer this distant political thing. It's real people in your city that are being impacted from not only the mom, but the boyfriend, the husband, the family members, the workers, the doctors who are performing the abortions. All of these people are being impacted. And God has called us not to be pro-life warriors and pro-life activists, but he's called us to be disciples who love God and love people. 
And this is neighbor love. When you think about the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus described the situation of a guy left for dead in a ditch and described neighbor love as inconveniencing yourself, even putting your own safety on the line at the expense of your time and resources to care for someone who you don't even know. Uh, and uh, so that's how we kind of frame it for pastors is this isn't a political rally. It's a prayer rally. It's a prayer and worship rally. And that prayer walk is a mechanism then to mobilize Christians into ongoing ministry. So we invite people then to uh, join us in one of four areas, and that is sidewalk outreach. So we have trained volunteers uh, covering now over 40 different abortion clinics in the United States, and they offer the hope of the gospel and the help of the church every day when patients are showing up, when moms are showing up. So we train them how to do that. Uh, Then we have trained mentors, and we train mentors in local churches that when a family chooses life, they get connected with a mentor. That mentor comes alongside that family, does life with them, works with their church, throw a huge baby shower, provide for the first two years of the child's life, and make sure they're loved and cared for. Then we also do um, orphan care where we're educating Christians on foster care and adoption, specifically foster care, because that's the greatest need. Everybody wants to adopt a, a baby that's you know being saved from abortion, but honestly, that rarely happens. Most moms who choose life want to keep their babies, uh, but there's a huge need in the foster care system. And then we also equip churches how to support those families. And then that final aspect is, and this is really important for the church itself, is post-abortive care. Um, is there's many Christians who over the last, you know, 50 years, almost now since 1973 have had abortions. They attend our churches and oftentimes they're, you know, they don't tell anyone it's a secret because there's, they feel guilt and shame and they're, they're, they're hurting. And by equipping pastors to talk about this, it creates space for men and women to find healing. And we have, um, we train people how to do those Bible studies and walk people in a private and confidential way through those healing studies. So that's the essence of what we do is it's this 40-week journey where we're doing prayer walks, and the prayer walks are the means by which we mobilize Christians to engage around the issue of abortion and love families well. And the the stories that come out of this, the miracles that happen, the ripple effects um, of you know just even wild things like Uber drivers who got a pamphlet from one of our sidewalk counselors are now bringing women to our ministry instead of to the abortion clinic and, you know, and helping like, it's just, the stories are unbelievable. And it's, our mission is to create a culture of love and life. We want to unite and mobilize the church to create a culture of love and life. And for far too long, the church has been silent about the issue of abortion It's too controversial. It might hurt people, but it's actually quite the opposite. If you do it in a winsome, you know, Jesus like way, which Jesus was a hundred percent truth, 100% grace. That's how he That's how he ministered to people. And when pastors do that, man, it sets people free and it activates the greatest organism on the face of the planet, and that's the church. And uh, so that's what we do. We have over 600 partnering churches now since 2016. We've seen over 4,000 babies saved at local abortion clinics. These are moms who had appointments for abortion. And there's no telling how many babies have been saved that we don't even know about. You know, people who didn't show up, or, you know, didn't tell us that they were keeping their babies and just drove away. And just because the church was there, there was an abortion manager who said, we all wear blue shirts when we do our prayer walks. And uh, she was the manager for 10 years. She ended up quitting. We had her video on our, on our YouTube page. But she said, when I saw all those blue shirts, it made me think of heaven. And I wondered if God was giving me a sign. And, and just week after week, the presence of the church, not picketing and protesting, but praying and worshiping, had an impact on her life.
And, um, and so that's what we're about, man. The, the church is the answer. It's not a, another nonprofit. I mean, I think we play an important role, but our heart is, hey, man, if we work ourselves out of a job and love life isn't needed because the church has just taken it and run with it, praise the Lord, um, yeah. because the answer is the church. No, it's amazing. And I, I've listened to some of the stories and testimonies on your website. It's amazing when you see pictures that you guys post of, you know, a two or a three or a four-year-old who's come back and the mom said, hey, it was because of you guys that yeah. this little baby's here. And it's incredible. Um, but, you know, what's interesting, I think what's most interesting to me is it didn't sound very divisive what you were talking about. And I think we always get caught up in this division of this conversation between pro-life or pro-choice. And the fact is, is that there are not a lot of options that are presented, right? That's mm -hmm. the option. It's let me be pro-choice or let me be pro-life. And the, the options to these families that are in these positions that, you know, these kids, frankly, that are pregnant and they don't know what to do, they feel like that's the only option, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're always pitching the as a culture, the, the Planned Parenthoods and the abortive care, things like that. And yeah. But what we're not doing is saying, hey, you know, you have a support system. We have people that will come alongside of you, love you and show you and how, how, you know, help you go through this with you. And that is what I think speaks volumes to me is that it's so often is a disastrous conversation because people just don't know how to have it from a Jesus-like perspective where yeah. you're just not loving on people and letting them know what the truth is. And, that, and that's, we love you and your unborn baby, right? Like, yeah. and, and we yeah. can, we can be there for you. So, all right. Awesome. So we're in, everybody wants to get involved. Now we want to go and launch and start a new city. Um, yeah. So I know that you, you talk, talked a little bit about some of the iterations. So tell us how you were doing it. Tell us what you learned. Where's it landed now? And yeah. who are the types of people that you're looking for to help launch into these new areas? Yeah. So, you know, when we started doing expansion, our mantra was run with the willing and, um, and man, the willing were out there. So many great stories. I remember early on just talking to people, man, who were like, just in tears, like, man, we've been wanting to do something about abortion. We just didn't know what. Then we started to say, all right, we got to run with the qualified running because even though you want to do something doesn't mean that you get to do something. You might not be gifted to be in the right seat to be that that city leader but there's still a place for you we really have to find the city director first and the city director is is the guy or gal who is well networked highly relational loves um pastors and can minister to pastors recruit pastors and then run those prayer walks be be the main guy that's facilitating the prayer walks on saturdays and uh, so there's obviously more to it than that, but that's how I would summarize that role. Well, you know, to find those guys, typically they're pastors themselves, or they have, you know, a lot of ministry experience, and they're already working. And so to find like these highly qualified guys that can do that, and then to say, oh, by the way, you got to raise your own support, you know, it has posed some challenges, right? Because you know, I mean, even thinking about myself when I was recruited, you know, to, to love life, you know, they were able to provide me a salary, but to really scale this and move it, we just weren't able to fund every city out of our existing budget. So we had to go to kind of that support raising model. And uh, so now in this latest iteration, we, we've looked at Charlotte and how did Charlotte start and Charlotte started with Justin. Justin was a high level entrepreneur, successful uh, franchisee multiple franchises now, multiple locations, 
had built margin into his life to where when love life came along, the Lord burdened him and he's able to hand off a lot of the responsibility of his business, you know, to his staff so he could help get love life off the ground. And then he hired Andre, who was our city director and Andre did all the day-to-day operations. Justin helped fund it. He gathered his other business guys in the city to fund it, get it off the ground, and then lend his business acumen to really coach Andre and help him be successful. And then the same thing happened in South Florida. We had an entrepreneur come up from South Florida who was friends with Justin. He saw our week 40 prayer walk, which that's the last one of the year. We invite all of our churches back. It's a massive event, just incredible momentum. And he was like, man, I want to bring this to, to South Florida. And so Mark is a successful business guy as well. He's got some margin in his life. So he helps fund South Florida, get some other guys in, and he's able then to bring a team to our boot camp. So it's not just Mark. Mark's bringing a team with him to our boot camp. They get trained together. And now there are, aside probably from our, you know, from Charlotte and Greensboro, Raleigh, kind of our original cities, they're our healthiest new city. Why? Because they had the funding in place. They, at a local level, found the guys that they knew could run the day-to-day operations, and now Mark's just coaching and making sure things go well. And we're like, this is the model, and, and, and we call that role a city catalyst. So the city catalyst is a guy who's you know successful business owner, entrepreneur, with some margin in their lives where they can fund it, help fund it, gather their network to fund the city, and then work with us to identify those key leaders. And then, you know, I told you, you know, we've learned a lot over the last two years. And this is where the Lord's grace has come in, because I wish I knew now what we knew then when we started, because we would have done things differently. But had we not started, we would have never known what we know now. And the tools and the resources and what we're able to offer to a catalyst is so strong now. Um, We've learned so much, we've proven the concept, we have all the tools you need. So you know, this catalyst doesn't have to, he doesn't have to invent anything. He doesn't have to create anything. Right. He just needs to help us fund it and identify the right leaders. And we got everything else, um, you know, taken care of. And so we're really excited about it. We've already started kind of soft launching this with some guys in our networks that we know, of course, you know, I think, you know, David and Jason Benham, right. And, uh, you know, they're going to be sharing this with their networks and the business guys that we've pitched this to. We've gotten really, really good feedback. And uh, we actually have two guys that are already praying about becoming catalysts in two different cities. And uh, so not only are we looking to do this in new cities, but even in our existing cities, we're looking to backfill now a catalyst. And one of the things that I'm really excited about is, is this enables us to not have to have a monstrous national organization. Right. where we got to keep fundraising. We got we got this massive budget. And we got all these employees at a national level because we're handing over ownership at the local level. And one of the things you said, Steve, at the beginning about guys who have created margin in their lives and they're now looking for significance, I think that's a great way to describe who we're looking for. And, and the guys that we've already talked to, like that's their heart. They're like, man, I've been successful in business. And, but now I'm looking for something to make a mark like for eternity. And, and I know, you know, 
Justin says all the time, if you got Jesus in your heart, everything is full-time ministry. There's no separation between marketplace and ministry. And, um, and so um, I'm excited about the reality of men and women who have had success in the business world and can bring that now to continue to bless the kingdom and expand the kingdom and make an impact on the greatest moral issue of our day. Justin says all the time, if you're a business owner living you know, in, in the 1940s, what would you do as a Christ follower living in Nazi Germany? What would it look like for you to leverage your influence in your business to stop what was going on? Because we all say, man, if I lived in 1940, I would do this, and I can't believe the church you know, went along with it. Well, now is our 1940. If we were in the 1800s and they're still hanging black people from trees, like, what would you do as a business leader to influence that, to stop that, to bring it to an end, to not only be there to pick up the pieces for people? Um, Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, essentially, I'm summarizing his quote, but it's not enough just to, to care for people who are hurting. We must also stop the things that are hurting them. Um, and so, man, that's the call to your audience right now is, what does it look like for you to leverage your influence, your time, and your resources to stop the greatest moral issue that's happening in our day. That's, that's seen 62 million plus lives taken just in the United States alone since 1973 and 1.5 billion worldwide since 1980 based on, on the numbers. And every one of those children is an image bearer of God and God cares about them. Like when you read Ezekiel 16, God's rebuking Israel for sacrificing their kids. And he says, those are my kids that you bore unto me. And uh, so this is something that matters deeply to the Lord. So that's kind of our call, man, is like, you're looking for something significant. Here's a great opportunity uh, for you to use who you are and who God shaped you to be. Um, and it's not just, hey, give us your money, but we're, we're willing to give you ownership in it to run it and manage it and help make it happen. Yeah, it's amazing. So let me ask a couple of technical questions in terms of like what, you know, what type of city do you guys look for? Do you care? Is there a certain minimum size? What if there's multiple, and I'll give you a two-part question. What if there's multiple uh, clinics? Like if I have one city catalyst and you guys are mostly at just one uh, abortion clinic, is there room to expand? Because I, I saw some numbers on your thing. It's like 150 grand, I think, a year to run a city is that at one location or is that at all the locations in that particular city? How big is that city? How many clinics, et cetera? Yeah. So our goal is let's, let's use Charlotte as an example. There's um, there were four abortion clinics in Charlotte. One of them closed last year, praise God. Um, and now there's three. We only do prayer walks at one of those abortion clinics and we do it really, really well, but we recruit people to cover the other two during the week with sidewalk outreach. So the goal is that there's sidewalk outreach happening at every abortion clinic in your city, but you only need one prayer walk. It doesn't really make sense to, you know, if you, within 30 minutes you've got several abortion clinics, it doesn't make sense to have several prayer walks. So we work with the city director to find the most strategic. Typically it's the largest clinic. Um, we want it to be open on Saturdays because we do prayer walk on Saturdays. Um, so there's some metrics that we look at, but so if you're in a city that's got multiple um, clinics, just, it's just one prayer walk. And then you're recruiting volunteers to cover the sidewalks at those other places as well. Gotcha. And then as far as populations and stuff, so kind of the, 
general rule of thumb is the more densely populated the area, the more abortion clinics there are. You go to a place like Greensboro, there's one abortion clinic in Greensboro, but you know, you go to Raleigh and there's four, actually there's five. There's multiple universities there, densely populated. Greensboro is not a tiny town, but, uh, but Raleigh's even bigger. So, um, you know, New York City is a hotspot for abortion. South Florida is, Southern California, Chicago. I would say Chicago is a major need right now. We have nothing going on in Chicago. The governor of Chicago wants, you know, Illinois, I'm, so, I'm sorry, the governor of Illinois wants Illinois to be an abortion destination. They partnered with Planned Parenthood to build five major centers around the border of the state so that people from outside the state can easily come in and have abortions. Those are the areas where we really want to focus on because those densely populated high abortion areas are not, even if Roe overturns, they're going to keep abortion legal and it's going to dramatically increase because people are going to be flying in there, driving in there. Right. Um, if abortion is limited or or made completely illegal in in their state, uh, so we got to ramp up. You so know, that's a good question. What areas. happens if we start in a catalyst city and they and end up overturning Roe v. Wade, and then there's no need for that city anymore? Are you redirecting resources back into the cities that will need that'll have a higher need? Yeah. So we would, you know, obviously evaluate that on a case by case basis, um, but. You know, I, we actually, uh, one of the uh, masterminds that we just did together, you guys had me share about the House of Refuge initiative. We would shift our focus in that city then to equipping churches to help moms in need. So if abortion becomes really limited or illegal in a state, the need for or the reality of, of women still having unplanned pregnancies and all of the challenges that come with that, whether it's a spouse or a boyfriend or a family member who's saying, you got to do something about this. I don't want this kid. You're going to have, I'll, I'll kick you out of the house, whatever. The church needs to be able to respond to those families. Mm. And so that, that's what the house of refuge initiative is meant to do is to equip churches. How do you respond to a family within your church who is in an unplanned pregnancy or someone from your church is connected with them and, and bringing them to the church family, are you ready to respond? And, uh, you know, obviously pregnancy care centers provide a valuable service in that way. Um, but really, and, and, and I've had many directors tell me this, they are, they're able to handle the crisis and some can do long-term care, but many directors have said, we need the church to do the long-term care for these families. And that's going to dramatically increase if abortion sure. is made illegal. So we have a system in place called the House of Refuge Initiative that is designed to equip churches to be able to respond to those families. Awesome. Well, a lot of great information. I think you have um, an amazing vision, right? I think the Catalyst program makes a ton of sense. Um, <clears throat> I think you know, just f finding people that can network and find the initial capital to get uh, started and then maybe help find those directors and connect with churches and things. I think it, it makes so much sense practically yeah. on how, how it gets made. Um, awesome. Well, we're going to share this with our audience. If you're listening to this and, you know, you want to get in touch, just go to lovelife.org. Yeah, lovelife.org. And uh, also the Catalyst document, I think you're going to put in the show notes and I'd uh, love to give my email too. You can just reach out to me directly, josh at lovelife.org. 
and uh, can send you that document as well. We're working on uh, branding a more specific landing page on our site for Catalyst, uh, but the document that kind of lays everything out as thoroughly as possible answers a lot of questions is that Catalyst doc that uh, you're going to attach to the show notes and that I can make available as well. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll put that in the show notes. We'll put uh, the Love Life link on there as well. We'll put Josh's email on there as well. If any of those things don't work, just reach out to us directly. We'll make sure that we get in touch. A lot of need out there, right? So I always say, people keep asking like, why do you guys have a donor advised fund? Why is it the the precipice of like everything that you do? And it's because there's no shortage of need, right? Mm -hmm. And if we we can offset just a little bit of that, and I think we're doing a, a good thing. I think business owners know that we can do well and do good. And yeah. I think that if we can encourage just one person your way that feels uh, a heart pull on how to get involved in this, then it's uh, it's worthwhile. So Amen. we really appreciate you and everything that uh, Love Life does. We are uh, proud to be partners with you guys. Hopefully we can continue spreading the word and getting people in contact with you. Any Any parting thoughts? Yeah. I mean, just in general, I want to reiterate, this is not pro-life activism. It's easy to just say, Hey man, that's something you're passionate about praying for you. But really at the end of the day, we know when and where innocent people are uh, broken and hurting people are showing up and innocent people are scheduled to die. If this was an elementary school, I believe we'd be there. And, uh, it boils down to, do you really believe it's a life? And if it's a life, we got to do something about it. And, uh, so, you know, even if you're not the catalyst, uh, would would love to chat with folks just about how they can get involved in other ways and help continue to spread the mission. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Josh. I appreciate you, and I appreciate all of you guys for listening and tuning in to the Free from Wall Street podcast. We will check you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Free from Wall Street podcast. If you like what you hear, leave us a rating and review, and let us know what you think. 